I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Sam Joe. And we are the SG Boys. That little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at the SG Boys. RT Olivia Dubay. <laughs> that name alone, Sam Joe. It's such a celebrity name. RT like, with two excuse A's. Excuse me, are you famous? <laughs> I don't think so. RT Olivia Dubay, you use all the pronouns. Yes, I do. A former psychotherapist turned writer and activist. <gasps> On your Instagram, it says Big Brown Queer. Uh-huh. And that is exactly what we're going to dive into each of those words. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Those three words used to scare the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it still does. And, and a lot of my insecurities stem from being big being brown, being queer, but yeah. here you are, proud of that, enough to even put it on your Instagram page. You're known as like an influencer that's so different from, I guess, what we're all kind of used to, that's synonymous to the look on Instagram. Mm, the yeah. cookie cutter influencer yeah. look, you mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, right? You're part of your headla. Mm-hmm. You found an SG Brown Queers. Yes, I did. This is Curves Become Her, RT Olivia Dubay. Woohoo! <laughs> Give it up. I love it. Like, you know, the US of A has AOC, but right. we have our very own AOD in the house. Oh my God, I did not realize. <laughs> I love that. Before we dive into Big Brown Queer, we're going to just bludgeon you with like <laughs> random questions. Yeah, we're just being capable at this point, you know? So indulge in us, please. If this were your last day, what would you eat? Okay. Your last meal, RT, no pressure, no pressure at all. It'll be a very simple meal. It'll be like what I've had since I was four years old. Mihun goreng with mutton mm. and um, sunny side up egg with a lot of chili sauce. Damn. And one tealia. It's just the perfect, yeah. the perfect mix of flavors. It's local food, like, it's comfort food. You right. Know? Yeah. And I've been having it since I was four. So Where's the best place to get it? Oh, goodness. Because I'm going to be um, honest, I've never had it. <gasps> me goreng I, I've had mi like goreng. Goreng. mi hun goreng I feel like I might have like mi goreng taken... you've had like the mama mi mama goreng but see the mi, sure. mi goreng is so complex because there's so many different types of mi goreng there's the kinds that's really like reddish yes. and then there's like the brown ones yes because mm. there's the, the reddish ones are the ones made by the Indian Muslim stores and then you've got like the seafood mi goreng which is by the Chinese mm. seafood places yeah like if you go to chom chom or something like and that and then mi hun goreng is the one with like the anchovies in it right that you can be this. Not necessarily. I hate anchovies. <laughs> <laughs> you just started sweating. I love it. <laughs> what are you listening to right now, RT? Oh, oh gosh. Okay. So every year I start a playlist. This is RT playlist number 40 because I've turned 40. Congratulations. Congratulations. You don't look a day after 18. <clears throat> Lies. Actually, I wouldn't have pegged you for 40. I don't know. It's that brown skin. I told you. I I guess my favorite would still be Venom by Little Sims. I don't know this song. Do you want to sing a little bit for us? I just, I'm I'm very like, you know, an audio kind of guy. Look at you putting her on the spot. Oh my god. I'm curious. It's a rap. It's a rap. I feel like you can do the rap. The lyrics are, it's a woman's world, so to speak. Pussy, you sour. Never giving credit when it's due because you don't like pussy in power. Venom. Hey. Is that it? Hey. (laughs) Yes. Artie and I actually met as 
guest speakers on a panel, like a webinar, because webinars were a thing. Mm. Still was, a thing. Still a thing. Really? really? Still a thing. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. So at the start of the pandemic, we both did this webinar together and then we both followed each other on Instagram. And see, the strange thing is I've seen so much of your content for the past year mm. that I forgot that we met at a webinar <laughs> that I just became like a fan of yours on Instagram. I just want to like, first of all, thank you for being big, being brown, being queer and being proud of it on social media because social media, like for me through the years has been really tough because I'll go onto my feed and it'll be a whole bunch of like people that I don't look like. And, mm. and it's, I mean, it's fine for people to look how they look, right? Of course, right. but it would affect how I view myself, right? Because there weren't enough of people who are big and brown and queer and, and owning it on social media. It was trying to use Facetune to cinch it all together and, and make it sort of palatable or, or lighten up your skin tone for right, people. Right. And you never do that. You embrace everything. You embrace cellulite, stretch marks and motivating your audience. And I, I just, first of all, want to thank you. That's so sweet. That's so kind. I, I, I try. I really do. I try. It can be challenging going against the green in Singapore. Ten years ago, people were sort of ridiculing me. Well, first of all, you're a psychotherapist. How are you jumping into something like plus-size fashion blogging? And I said, well, it's so much more than just fashion. Fashion is political. Our bodies are inherently Ooh. political. And my big body has always been political. People thought I would just go the route of okay, she's going to put on a dress and this is her outfit of the day. No, I didn't do that. I talked about how I felt wearing this dress because a lot of those first few years, I was wearing outfits I hadn't worn ever in my life before. Mm. My first jumpsuit, my first bikini, posing for them, you yes. know, in swimming pools, in yes. public and all of that stuff that was so new to me. I talked about how it felt how terrified I was and also how empowering it was at the same time coming into my own gradually and just evolving over the years with the community I have been a part of then creating a community of my own this community has been my saving grace yeah it's been what's kept me going it's been what's been a reminder for listen I know you don't feel great right now because Instagram doesn't exactly like bigger bodies. Um, Facebook doesn't like bigger bodies. TikTok definitely does not like bigger bodies. But there are people who understand your purpose. There mm -hmm. are people who understand why you're doing this. You know, for all those people who keep talking about, oh, this is just doing nothing but promoting, glorifying obesity. If I'm glorifying anything, it's just glorifying the agency for you to live your own life i love mm. that i love that seeing photos of you in a bikini that was empowering even for me as a man because i remember Katy perry's firework video it was just one small sequence at a party in the back all these teenagers partying and there's this one girl mm. while everyone is in the pool she's afraid to just take her clothes off and jump into the water yes. and she realizes no i'm gonna do it and just to sort of throw in how fashion can be so powerful especially for plus size influences and why they're so important is because i think for bigger people we're so used to just being happy that we can find anything that fits right i want to look great in it 
obviously now you're so proud and like confident at least on the surface on <laughs> social media because we all know social media only tells oh, yeah. one part of the story it's right? curated Not, yeah you're right it's curated mm. to some extent no matter how good a person's intention is like i'll be the first to admit my own instagram also is it'll be a group photo and then i'll look at it i'm like i love these friends and i really want to share this moment but i'm not gonna post it because mm. i don't feel sexy there do you still have those moments where you i'm not sure if this is the right word but where you relapse back into that mentality where you're like no, I'm, I'm really not feeling great about myself today. Um, yeah, It's part of the process. So, which is why I talk about body acceptance now. When I first started out, I talked about body positivity. And I think everyone's assumption of body positivity is that you've got to love yourself no matter what. You've got to love your body no matter what. I, I don't think that's realistic at all. As someone who lives with multiple chronic conditions and with multiple disabilities, it is difficult to wake up in the mornings and be faced with pain, putting your foot on the floor and just wondering, you know, what kind of a day that your body is going to allow you today. And sometimes you get angry at it because you're just like, I'm taking care of you. I don't know why you're still being so fussy about things and stuff. So every day is definitely a process. I don't get hard on myself for having bad body image days I guess yeah I would just tell myself listen it's fine the focus shouldn't be entirely on your body in the first place it Mm. should be about yourself Mm. it should be about your self-acceptance so what else do you feel good about yourself today aside from your body please be gentle with yourself the reflection in the mirror is just you know one aspect of who you are And even that isn't truly a reflection of who you are because you're seeing it from just your own perspective, you know? Yeah, and it's presentation, isn't it? It's who you're going to present to people. Yeah. Who you're living as is a completely different thing. And and I love what you're saying. It's about being conscious about it Mm. because Instagram has changed so much, right, Sandra? Remember, like, there was a period of time where people just uploaded whatever they wanted Mm -hmm. on Instagram? Yeah, one of my earliest posts was just the Kwe Tutu I was eating. (laughs) Legit. And it is one of me doing um, hookah in America long time ago I look terrible there I think I've since gone on to hide it but and that's you the thing remember like, those vignettes uh? yeah I was all about the vignettes hipstamatic <laughs> yes the filters <laughs> the preset filters oh, on Instagram so people just used whatever everything was sepia yeah. yes you know, and no yes. one cared about likes or anything right. and then suddenly everyone's a model and everyone's a photographer everyone see that becomes tough right mm. because when your feet looks a certain way you think if I'm gonna add to this I need to be like them with social media the brilliant thing about it is you can completely switch it up just by making a few changes mm. by muting a few accounts no offense to yes. any of these accounts but if you feel like they're triggering you a certain way and it's not healthy for you just mute it follow someone else follow an activist follow someone like you RT and already the kind of photos that will come up in your explore page will be different I have one Instagram account and I only follow like nerdy stuff like Mortal Kombat or video game stuff Final Fantasy so that's all I get Nice. that's all I see and and I'll follow like a whole bunch of interior designer pages Mm -hmm. so I just see like oh these are homes from the 70s so so my Instagram experience completely changes Mm -hmm. I think that's something that all of us can do yes or you can even just get off social media like oh, hey, oh yeah. completely i know a few friends who have done that one friend has never had instagram and sometimes we'll be like oh, can you please let you know want to tag you <laughs> but you know what 
these friends are, seem to be the happiest to each his own right some right. people can't live without social media right. my, um, my husband is not on any social media portals oh good for all. him yeah. and, and how's that been he's happy He's happy, right? Yeah. So okay, I don't think I could be that person. No, no. But I think whenever you open up your app or your Instagram or TikTok or whatever, and if it's making you feel shit about yourself, mm. then you know that, okay, this may be the most downloaded app in the world, but it's toxic. It's toxic for you. Mm. So drop it. It's like a toxic relationship. Easier said than done, of course. Well, because I, I have done that before. I've done like social media detoxes mm. through the years when things got a bit tense. Now I feel like I have a nice, healthy balance with my social media page and I check my DMs when I want to check my DMs. Right. I, I don't feel like I'm obliged to. If I don't feel like I want to post anything, I don't post anything. So now I'm in a nice balance place. But there was a period of time where even if I don't go on social media, then people will message me like, hey, it's been a while since you posted. Are you okay? Yes. So mm. just by being absent itself... Or if you deactivate your account, people think you block them or people think that, oh, you're doing this for attention just mm. by not being around. Mm. You're doing this for attention. So it can get very stressful. It's a whole different world that we're living yeah. in. They assume something's wrong with you, right? When yeah. actually it's like, no, you're just doing this for yourself. Yeah, just mm. taking a break. Normalize that. Yeah. Yeah. Normalize just being off social media. It's like if the moment you're not on social media, it's like you don't exist anymore. Yeah. It's the strangest thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Artie, have you ever been exhausted? by social media and like you yeah. know, want, want to just like quit all of that and, oh and not goodness. have to deal that's a great question because like in my mind your social media would be like a very positive space with very positive like-minded individuals so why would you ever feel stressed out oh goodness oh goodness um the vitriol i get the trolls that i get the dms that i get it's overwhelming um it's a lot better now I remember back in 2016 when I picked a fight with Instagram because Instagram removed an image of me and my two other girlfriends. It was a behind-the-scenes shot of us in swimwear and it was for a photo shoot for Clio magazine. And we were so happy and it was removed because, you know, trolls had reported it. And I was infuriated. <sighs> but what happened after that was it sort of went viral. People would just not stop. There are like dedicated troll armies, I'm not kidding you, who really, really dislike bigger people, fat people, and they will make it their life's mission to just harass you to no end. A lot of former accounts, a lot of former advocates I know have left because of the hate that they mm. have received death threats like i've received death threats so many times coming to your comment section and saying things like you know oh they are like two steps away from uh, a heart attack look at them the first time it happened to me i was so so shaken up it was my first one piece swimsuit a local guy had reposted my images on his blog and he tore it up with fat phobic gifs and was basically saying he wanted to vomit looking at my body and thankfully my community rallied and the post was taken down i don't know if the account ever got taken down but the post was taken down that was like a very rude awakening every time i put an image up of myself I always have it at the back of my mind that, you know, there might be someone who's going to say something, but I've gotten very accustomed. And also, I know it's not a me problem. It's a them problem. Mm. Absolutely. You yes. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And you have to learn to pick your battles because at one time, I felt like 
all I was doing was fighting with trolls. All I was doing was telling them off. And I was just like, no, this is not my job. This is not my vocation. This is not why I started this. It looks outwardly like a positive space, but it's taken a very, very long time to make it this way. Mm. I am very territorial about my spaces and keeping it as positive as possible. So I guess that's out. I use the mute, the block, the restrict buttons very, very freely. Good. I mean, those are tools that actually protect you in a sense and, mm. and protect others you know, who might chance upon your page and then see these comments and see them reflected mm. and think that these comments apply to them mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, so I'm, yeah. gl- I'm glad that it you it can be triggering of course we have RT Olivia Dubay big brown queer we're diving into each of these words and you just talked about how protective you are territorial you are about the spaces you are part of. Yep. One incredible platform that you created last year was SG Brown Queers. <laughs> yeah. I'm part of the Telegram group yeah. as well. And it's an incredible community that I, I'm going to be honest with you, this was the first time I was in contact with many people who look like me, who have come from similar backgrounds. Because as someone who's half Indian growing up, the sad truth is in Singapore as a minority, I wanted to be as far away as I could from being Indian. When you added me to that Telegram group chat and there were all these people in there and they all kind of looked like me, I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't think I've had this many Indian friends or brown skin friends here in Singapore. I'm not used to that because so much of my life I wanted to hang out with a Chinese group so that maybe I can be a bit lighter or I can be a bit more uh, accepted, right? This is hard truth, right? Mm. So I'm going to share with you a couple of things. Like when I was young, I remember my grandmother uh, would put baby powder on my face <laughs> every single day before I go to school. Yeah. And I was like already a big kid, right? So I would like perspire and then it would get like milky. Mm, oh God. And people would make fun of me on that as well. But okay. I asked my, my my grandmother once before and my aunt as well because they all would put like baby powder on all of us even when we were like in primary school and they were like, oh, your skin will look lighter this way. So I did not know about oh. that. And, and I kept that at the back of my mind for the longest time. Right without sort of like remembering that experience. But it was a lot of that. It was a lot of skin lightening products that were very popular. I think still is very popular in the Indian community. Mm, Very much so. My question, which is a tough question, like when did you realize you were brown? Primary one, my first day of school, I actually made a TikTok about it. I had no idea what race I was. In fact, in kindergarten, I wrote my Malay classmate's name as my name. Because I thought that was my name. Because I was always just called um, baby, mm. baby boy. I was called a boy <laughs> all the time because I really, really resembled a boy. Primary one, we were on the school bus and I was going to sit down beside a Chinese girl. And I sat beside her and then she just stared at me, pinched her nose. And then she went to sit with another Chinese girl. I remember I got quite a response after I put that video up because I also put an image of me at that age and people were like, oh my God, why would people do that? But that's when I realized I was different and that I was brown. And I went home and I asked my mom, why would she do that? My mom's like, you notice you all look different, right? 
there's you, you're brown, you're Indian, and then there are the Malays who are brown too, and then there are the Chinese, and there are the Eurasians, and I was, I was still so confused. Oh, I'm different. Yeah. I remember <laughs> trying to cling on to the Chinese half of me, even as an adult, even into my 20s. And we're going to talk about being queer in a bit. But like I would go on, say, Grinder, for example, and that's a very common question that I'm asked, which is, what's your race? It's like the first thing I always get asked, like, what's your race? And I even notice things like if I put I'm Indian Chinese, they will react a certain way. If I say I'm Chinese Indian, they will react a certain way. I'll take responsibility for even in secondary school, maybe actually even till now, if I have my headphones on, you know, I'm blasting music and people know I'm blasting music, right? If I'm blasting like a Chinese song, like a Jay Chow, or when I was in secondary school, it was like, ooh, Liu Liu, or like <laughs> F4 and all that. Like, Whoa, you can listen to Chinese songs. And they, they, they praise me for being able to listen to Chinese mm-hmm, songs. Mm-hmm. But I'll be ashamed to put a Tamil song on or a, a song from a Bollywood movie that I'm watching on my headphones. And like, if, if someone enters the lift and I'm listening to Indian music, I'll soften it. Mm. And it wasn't until, that's why I love MIA so much, right? Because MIA uses a lot of these beats and rhythms and songs from Indian culture and then, does her own spin on it and it's political and before i listened to mi i was so afraid of anything indian i don't want to be seen at an indian restaurant i don't want to be because i was i was hating myself right i was hating myself and i was worried that if i if i'm in this place people are going to think oh this is my entire life and all i am is indian as if that is a bad thing at that time my indianness was you know was just a part of me i didn't really have to think about it but in my teens when we were being inculcated into like hollywood music from the west and all of that stuff that's when i realized that you know what i was listening to was maybe not cool mm. <laughs> there were always these two opposites battling it's still an ongoing battle i have i guess there's also that part of acculturation that has happened where I don't feel, I still don't feel fully comfortable in um, Indian outfits and I still feel like a misfit. And, you know, as much as I still love Indian movies and, you know, the the culture and my people, that's that's still something that I'm unlearning as well. So I definitely relate to what you're saying. That's why I created SG Brown Queers. We needed that sense of community, which I don't think we ever had. And that formed at a period last year where things got really tense. There were a couple of incidents that happened here in Singapore, an interracial couple being harassed on the street. Mm. I think an Indian family doing morning prayers and them being interrupted by their neighbors who started mocking them. Uh, making gestures to... (sighs) These incidents went viral, Mm -hmm. thankfully, because of social media, things like these can get called out and we can have these conversations. And there were many conversations that were had at that period. But I I remember I was talking to Samjo about this and we wanted to talk about it, obviously, Mm. on the show. But I I remember telling Samjo that I feel so tired at this point. I feel so tired. And I know that because this is the hot topic now, we should be jumping on it as a podcast. But mm. the truth is, as sort of the brown person here, I'm so tired of this because I've I've gone through this and 
I've also talked about it so many times through the years and no one really like bats an eyelash about it. And now because it's the hot topic, I just honestly feel so tired because I wonder if actually things will change. Right. Mm. And I think we also talked about the fact that as, as a Chinese person as, at this table, right? I think we also didn't want to, to talk about it for the sake of talking about it yes. because it was a trending topic. Mm, like, yeah. you know, because it's not a trend. It's no. been happening for donkey years, yeah. like you said. Generations upon generations of Indians in Singapore um, have, have gone through that and have suffered, like, you know, the, the discrimination that thanks to social media, like you said, has becoming more and more viral these days and more people are calling it out, more people are reporting it and more people are actually, more Chinese people, of course, are also yes. checking their own privilege. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, yeah. And going like, wait a minute, actually, why do I think this way? Why do I act or behave this way? Why did I even say that? Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of learning to do. We didn't want to treat it like a topic and I'm glad that we're, you know, talking about it now. Where we're comfortable, where, where, where I'm not so exhausted. Because yeah. when, when it was happening, I was just, I remember feeling drained and I have to show love to our brother Kishan from T42 who mm. did a phenomenal episode and you can hear in his voice, he was tired mm. at that point as yes. well. Mm. But you, RT, took that as an opportunity to bring people together, together to start sharing your stories. Okay, not just these stories that are making the headlines. What are other instances where horrible things happened to you and you had no one to turn to? No one was writing that story. There was no social media at that point. And you started getting a flood of stories. Yeah. What was that like for you? That was primarily my SG Brown Queers partner, Nisha's initiative. You know, they would report back to me. They were like, oh my God, the stories coming forward are really, really emotional. And they are things that we can all relate to. And I'm like, okay, let's let's go for it. Appalling. Yeah. Appalling, Appalling that a lot of these stories we could relate to as right. well. Because I would read all these things and be like, oh my gosh, I remember when that happened to me and I just kind of like didn't think much about it. Yeah. And you can see yourself in all of these stories. Yeah. I'm just curious at this point, there seems to be some element of surprise there. Mm. Was there a point where y'all felt like, okay, this is just me. It's happening only to me. Yeah. Only to my family. Yes. Right. It's, it's, is that where it's coming from? Maybe, maybe I think you're, you're definitely onto something, Samjo, because, you know, earlier on, I was talking about how I would distance myself from anything Indian, right? So I didn't have many Indian friends because I, was obviously very immature. I was afraid to embrace my culture because it was already being mocked and I was being ridiculed for being Indian so much as a child that I thought if I hang out with the Chinese people, I'm going to be okay. If I I learn Mandarin, my mom's Chinese, so I need to keep telling everyone that I'm Chinese and then I'll wash off the Indian so that I don't have to deal with this. So my life is a little bit easier, right? Once I sort of reached that period of my life where I started to, like, I learned Hindi for a while and I, I started listening to MIA and, and I would actually start enjoying saying that I'm going to dress up for Deepavali. And if I'm watching, like, Kuch Kuch Hotahe on TV, <laughs> and I'm going to insta-story it, you know? And, and I started feeling more comfortable with that. Then I started realizing when I was reading all these posts, like, I don't have that many Indian friends. Mm. And I didn't know that other people were having it as well and much worse. So that was like a wake-up call for me. Mm. So instead of feeling isolated as, as you once were growing up, what about you, Arti? Same here. Mm. I didn't know any um, brown queers. Any other brown queers. Oh, that's another extension. Yeah. Brown mm. and queer? Yeah. Right. 
That's the thing. I had a lot of brown friends, but oh my goodness, did I have any? No, I didn't have any brown queer friends. Yeah, insecurities bleeding into the decisions we make when it comes to who we allow into our circle mm. in the LGBTQ plus community, as much as that's a very beautiful thing, when you sort of first enter as a naive queer, you're scared, you're terrified, right? You want to be attractive. You want to be hot stuff. You want to be the trade. Mm. You want everyone to embrace you because you've not been embraced, right? right? So if you go in already brown and queer, and if you're feminine, that's another layer, right? Then if you see another brown person, you're scared to be associated with them because mm -hmm. you don't want to be together left out. Yeah. So yeah, it absolutely took a while for me as well to just embrace myself and then also, of course, embrace other people who are brown and queer and be comfortable in that space sitting yeah. all together. Yeah. To start that off, Singapore, SG yeah. brown queers yeah. in Singapore. We're so used to just sweeping it under the carpet, mm. saying racial harmony, racial harmony day. We're all wearing each other's outfits from different cultures. Everything is fine. So that's why, just to sort of go back to Sandra's question, that's another layer where we're constantly told that we have racial harmony right. and there's no such thing as mm. prejudice here in Singapore where everything is perfect. So it must only be you. Yeah, that racial riots and racism were a thing of its past. Yeah, you know, yeah. Right? apparently. <laughs> Actually, quite a harmful narrative yeah. if you think about it. Yes. So much has trickled down. Absolutely. Now, big brown queers, the final word, <laughs> queer. You use all the pronouns, I which I think you might be the first person I know who uses all the pronouns because there's so much talk about sort of like technicalities of like asking someone's pronouns beforehand and then getting it right and you're mm. just straight up saying i use all of them <laughs> in the non-binary spectrum there are different ways of identifying and i identify as gender fluid mm. okay which is i identify as a he she or they i love that and so that's why all pronouns make sense for me and what do you have to say to people who who are nervous about pronouns because mm -hmm. there's always that question, right? When the moment yes. you tell them that, okay, you're non-binary or that you are not cisgendered or whatever, yeah. right? You know, and there's just been a lot of quarrels and arguments and walking online. Walking on eggshells as well. Right. Just not yeah. being uh, able to just very comfortably yeah. ask someone. Yeah. And not everyone's also on the same page about pronouns. Especially and in Singapore where this is a still relatively new conversation. Like, reminder, we still have not gotten rid of 377A. No. Yep. So, we're still way behind, but I'm glad we're at least having these conversations mm -hmm. right now. So, what do you say to people who feel very nervous about that? Yeah. You know, it's just a slight tweak. I don't understand why you have to be offend so offended. If it's something that scares you, then, you know, take your time. You don't have to do it if you're not ready. It isn't wrong just because we're living in a country where we're made to feel like we're anomalies and that we're wrong. It isn't wrong. Mm. You know, I just want to remind you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And non-binary. Mm -hmm. I remember when we spoke to Andrea, Andrea... Andrea. I mean, you say Andrea. I say Andrea. Andrea? Andrea Vazali. Andrea. The moment when she learned the term transgender, that was life-changing for her. Just, this That's is me. me. Yes. Non-binary. I think for our generation, for so much of our lives, that was not part of the vocabulary. 
So when you when did you discover that word that term non-binary and how did you feel when you went did you have that this is me moment I did So I used to be part of the team um the global team F your beauty standards F your beauty standards <laughs> Yeah it's it's run by um plus size supermodel Tess Holiday Okay oh, yeah right. yeah so I used to be part of the team and so we had a secret center thing my very very sweet friend in London sent me this book about gender binaries mm. and gender non-binaries I was kind of like are you are you trying to tell me something you know sometimes people can tell before you do Right. Mm, right. right. Yes. Yeah. I read the book and then I saw the word non-binary and I just went, "Oh, that makes sense." Because I always say life cannot be lived in binary. Life cannot be lived in binary. Mm. And I was just like, "Okay, this is this is really reaching out to me, calling out to me. It's something that I feel is um part of my journey." And so, I you know, I read up more about it. I asked questions and About a year later, I felt like I was ready to um, embrace the fact, not embrace it, but I guess to say it out loud to people aside from my husband because he was the first one I had told. Wow. Yeah. How did he react? He was like, "I'll love you whatever form you are." Oh, right. I love that. Right. Yeah. That's why he's your husband. Yes. You yes. Know? yes. You chose the right human. Yes. To be in My your person. life. This has nothing. Non-binary has nothing to do with your sexuality. Yeah. And your sexuality is your bisexual. I think you've yes. told me before. Yes. Right. It is. I think that's stuff. Oh, you're bi. I didn't know that. Yes, I am. Okay. I am. I mean, what are labels? But you know. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Bi pan. I'm just like, yeah, okay. So he said that I love you in any form. When you came out to me when you were 18 and said you were bi, I was like, I love you. You knew your husband when you were eighteen. <laughs> We've been together for twenty-two years. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and married for fifteen. Yes, that's incredible. Yeah, I yeah, know. very, I know. very incredible. Um, marriage was one of those things I never thought I would would happen to me, just because of who I am. <laughs> Mm. Be brown and queer. He is a very, very happy wow. uh, surprise that I have in my life. You know, it's made a huge difference because, um, about five years ago, I had to fall out with my entire group of friends, whom I was friends with for a long, long time, because they basically said that I was because I was popular on social media. I was trying to trend. So I said I was queer. So I said I was bisexual, and that felt like such a huge betrayal. Mm. And you know, he he stood by me the entire time. And mm. how they they said they thought that you were saying you were bisexual yeah, in order had, to yeah because they gain more currency thing. yeah because they'd never seen me with another woman uh -huh. because I'd been with Suresh since I was eighteen yeah but here's the thing right you don't have to have been yeah of course you know, of course not right <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and people get it very twisted so. when it comes to sort of like thinking things are sort of trendy. Mm. Um, mm. And I go back to Andrea <laughs> and 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 watching that yes. GG video where she learned the the term transgender mm. and it awoke something in her yeah. that was not new. Yeah, it had always been there, and she says throughout the episode, "I've always felt this feminine energy inside me. I just didn't know how to define it. I didn't know what to call it. I love and that. I just looked around at what other people were saying, and I just kind of like stuck to it. Okay, I guess I'm this. I guess I'm that. So it's not of 
oh, she was influenced by this video, then she become transgender. Right. Or, mm. oh, I watched this RuPaul's Jet Race and then suddenly I'm a gay. Yeah. It's yeah. not like that. It's it's These are things that we've always known about ourselves and then you find something that finally puts a name to it mm-hmm. and then you go, this is me and I'm going to own it. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I love that you've done that. So going back to the three words, mm. I want you to say it. <laughs> Big brown queer. Big brown queer. It's um living against the green living a life authentic to who I am, possibly for a lot of people, it'll probably be like something shameful or com- or it'll complicate their lives to be so open about it. But I'm no longer living in shame. So to no longer live in shame and no longer live in the shadows of all that fear and sadness and shame that I lived with for so, so long and being able to hold my head up high and just say, hey, you know, I'm big brown queer. And what would you say to someone else who's listening right now? Also big, also brown, also queer Ooh. or also something else that they don't love themselves for but that's who they are and they can't change it what would you say to them i would say welcome to the jungle it's it can be scary out there but if you decide to embark on this process of self-discovery and healing and getting to know yourself it is going to be so liberating and you are going to live a life that you will be proud of. I want to see that for so many of you out there. I want you to live a life that you can say, I've gone through a lot, but I've managed to step into my own. I'm Joshua Simon. I'm Sam Joe, And we are the The SG Boys. Boys. That little gay podcast from Singapore. Subscribe and find us on Instagram at the SG Boys. The beliefs, views, and opinions expressed on this podcast are attributable to its hosts only and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, organization, company, or individual.